This is the Galaxy Wars Podcast with your host, The Grays. Greetings and welcome back to another episode of the Galaxy Wars Podcast with your hosts, Jim and Tom, and we truly apologize for last week's absence. Yep. But we're back, and uh, last week's absence um, is reflected in this episode. Right. Because we're going to highlight some uh, Comic-Cons that we've been to in the past two weeks? About two weeks we've been to... Uh, you've been to one, I've been to two. Right. Uh, and we're going to kind of compare and contrast and play some really cool interviews that we have from uh, Chris Claremont, Kevin Conroy, Steve Orlando, uh, big comic book guys. Kevin Conroy is, is Batman. You know, yeah, it's one of the those voice things. Of, yeah, everybody loves Kevin Conroy. Yeah, I don't think there's a person that doesn't put him on top five Batmans. We'll talk about when we get closer. Yeah. I have some ideas about what would have been great. But. All right. But before we get to that, we're going to uh, we're gonna start with some news because a lot has happened this week in general. Uh, we could have a whole news episode for the last two weeks, but this week in general, we've got a lot of things. And the first one is kind of polarizing to, to the world right now is the Joaquin Phoenix's Joker test footage and the TMZ stuff and the pictures that we've seen of him painted up as a Joker. Yeah. Did you see this? Yeah. What do you think of it? I uh, I personally don't like Joaquin Phoenix, but that has nothing to do with his acting ability. It's yeah. just I don't like him as a person. Okay. I actually think he's a phenomenal actor. Yeah, I do too. He 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 gives everything a hundred and ten percent. And but yeah, you know, just personally, just he just seems like a like a douche. Yeah. But I'll watch his movies. Yeah. You know, and I he does great in everything he does. His Joker, I guess we'll talk about what his Joker looks like. I, where did they get this smudged makeup Joker from? I don't know. Where's this aesthetic coming from? Ledger. I think that's the only yeah. one, right? The other ones are all I mean, like finely not, tuned white paint. Yeah, and his, his comic book persona was never like the Heath Ledger Joker. Yeah. Or what, it definitely wasn't anything like Jared Leto's Joker. But um, <laughs> Are we still going to call that the Joker? I don't know what we're doing with that. When you think bat, like the best Batmans you, or worst Batmans, you think Clooney, right? Yeah. When you think worst Jokers, you got to think Jack. I think uh, Jared Leto's up there. Yeah. It, worse than the mustache and uh, what the oh mustache they God. had in uh, 1960s. Uh, Cesar Romero. Yeah. Or, yeah, Romero. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't know where the smudge makeup thing comes yeah. from. The picture that we get is he's wearing, it looks a lot like Heath Ledger's. Yeah. Because he's pulled his, you could see the clown gang, mm-hmm. and it, he was wearing a mask, and he pulled it off. So we'll see where it goes. He's got the green hair, like his yeah. hair is longer, greenish. And the funny thing about this is, like it being an origin story, it's very like, I don't know, it's it's like an amalgamation between Ledger and Romero's Joker because mm-hmm. you have like the bright, weird colored suit, yeah. and then like the smudged makeup. And I guess they're going with like the whole clown prince persona. And maybe he'll perfect it because I'm thinking like if this is the origin story, you have to start with the Red Hood. That's what look his his regular. What's what's the Red Hood? His name's Joe. Um, or, I think they're going Arthur. Is his Arth- name? Okay, whatever they're going for. That's a great origin story. I mm-hmm. mean, it's never been the official origin story, yeah. but it, it never gotten one. So I think the only time we've really seen that is what uh, Killing Joke. Yeah, where it, with the flashbacks. Right, and I think that would be cool, but I kind of like it. I kind of dig it. I dig the look. Yeah, I don't hate the look, but yeah. I dug the look when Heath Ledger had it. So. Yeah. 
And that's the thing. Like people are gonna, they're gonna compare him to Ledger, mm-hmm. and I think it's gonna be completely different tones because this is a Joker movie that doesn't revolve around Batman. Batman. Yeah, and this is the Joker's movie. Yeah, and the new footage they showed, like the clowns uh, mugging this guy. They're like, they're all, he's on the platform. That's Thomas Wayne. Okay, and they're saying that Thomas Wayne is running for uh, mayor. Of oh, Gotham. the guy that's knocked down is Thomas mm-hmm. Wayne in okay. the gray suit. Okay, and Thomas Wayne is running for mayor of Gotham. And he's just bastardizing the poor. So the Joker, or Arthur, obviously is probably a poor stand-up comedian who's robbing Ace yeah. Chemicals, then t- goes his clown persona and starts to wreak havoc. And this might be the first, like, you kind of, like when Spider-Man, in Spider-Man Homecoming, he had that really shoddy costume. Mm-hmm. This might be his first look, and like, I need a disguise. You can't really get a lot of latex masks in the 50s. Right. So what are they going to do? Paint you like a clown. Yeah, um, I think we see a full evolution of the Joker. Yeah, it's a. It's. A, I'd like to see how they get to that. Um, it's a lot of steps to take to get from him being um, the tragic stand-up slash clown into him becoming the Joker. Yeah, um, it's a lot to take in one movie, but they're they're going. I mean, the footage tells you they're going to make it happen in one movie. Yeah, and so do you think that this this should only stay as like a stand like a standalone film? No, nah, I don't ever say that. I mean, this isn't connected to Batfleck. That's the thing is, this is a whole. This is like this. This is, could be Elseworlds. The, DC needs to have more protection on their properties mm-hmm. and rein it in, and make it you know, make it work for the way that Marvel did it. Is yeah. put everything together. I don't know why you would put ten Joker movies out. Yeah, and pretend like you know that that the poisons a well, like diminishes the character. Oh yeah, the, the, this weekend they said that uh, there was an update on the Harley and Joker story. That movie, like, that doesn't need to be made. No, that I don't need any more. Jer- I love Jared Leto. I love his music. I love his acting. I don't need any more Jared Leto Joker. This was too much for me. I like Jared Leto, and I think Jared Leto's you know crazy talented but yeah, yeah this wasn't this wasn't good yeah and even david ayer came and he out was too. trying to be different he was trying to be something that never he, he went method because he was like yeah. sending people like used condoms yeah. and like bird heads and really weird but david ayer came out this week and said that uh that movie was worlds away from his true like his movie the movie that we saw was worlds away from what he created that's easy to say when everything's done three years later yeah after you put your stamp on it and you know promoted yeah. it and put it out yeah. Uh, well, no, and then you get the feedback. Oh, I hated it. And like well, yeah. everybody hates it. And like, oh, that's not what I wanted. Yeah. So. Three years later, you start to defend it. It's kind yeah. of a, an easy way out. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, get a Batman, get a Joker. It's fun to have an origin story of a Joker. Have that first, yeah. then develop your Batman story. Get a Batman that wants to play Batman. Don't just get an actor who is a big name and is like, oh, I want to wear a leotard one or day. Or how about you create kind of this thing that gotham did where you find more out about all his his rose gallery yeah let's get a let's get a penguin movie an, yeah. inc- an insane great penguin movie yep. let's get enigma movie and then at the end you have your own Batman universe then see like create all these characters that we like and care about some way even mm-hmm. though they're bad guys we see that like how they're their painful story of how they yep. got there we care about them and build them up to be something insane and powerful then you give us the Batman story where he has to actually defeat these guys yeah. would be something I would like to say. I agree. And I, I guarantee you that if this works and this makes a ton of money and it's received well, it's 100% canon. All right. Real quick off the top of your head, if what I just said was the thing that they were going to do, yeah. top five 
rogues gallery movies that you would like to see origin stories okay so we got the joker i'm definitely with you with penguin riddler would be great mr freeze and poison ivy I take Poison Ivy and probably put Bane, but I feel like we already got a Bane origin yeah. story. So. And I feel like the the world we live in would be super pissed if we didn't have a woman represented in there. And we've already saw Catwoman. Yeah. Uh, we've seen enough of Catwoman. I think there's more to... Yeah, that's true. So Poison Ivy, but, like, I mean, if I'm doing my top five, my true top five, like, PC away, I'm taking Poison Ivy out. I'm doing Hush. Hush would be great. Mm-hmm. Then we're getting an animated Hush, too, that you'll yeah. hear me talk about in the <laughs> Kevin Conroy interview, actually. Yeah, I think I'm with you on everything. I, we do need a woman represented. He mm. does have a, a great woman's rose gallery, too, that he, he, he wants to sleep with every single yeah. one of them. So, Even, I don't know. I mean, you could go Catwoman, like a noir kind of Catwoman, like a heist, uh, heist movie. If you said it all, this is being set in 1950 or something like that, mm-hmm. this Joker movie. If you set them all in the past like that, then you could come up with some pretty cool stuff and cool ideas and i'm worried about the joker when we get to the end of the movie it's another movie that i'm going to see thomas and martha wayne die in (laughs) and this might like my worries for this is that they're going to make the joker the one who kills thomas and martha and that kind of ruins the whole lineage of what we've learned from batman but another thing is i'm worried that they're really going to make him more human and they're here and humanize him to the point that you feel bad for the joker I don't want to feel bad for somebody who, you know, walks up to a woman, opens the door, shoots her, and paralyzes her, and then sends right. nude pictures to her father. Like, I, I, won't, I don't want to feel sorry for if where he's If the killing about. joke is the way you're going, yeah. then I want to see that. Yeah. yeah I, don't, I don't care about that animated, because that actually let me down. Yeah, really the killing good. joke comic book is the greatest thing. It's one of the greatest Batman stories ever told. Absolutely. That would be awesome if the killing joke was the direction you were going, mm-hmm. but I don't think it really is going to be. Yeah, but I don't want them to humanize him. I don't know. He's a villain. People like the Joker now. Yeah, but after no, everything that he's done. But at the end of it, they're not like, "Oh, I see why." And he he's did it. written. I mean, he could be written in the same style as Deadpool. Yeah, he's a fourth wall breaker. Yeah, but like Deadpool does good. When has a Joker ever done good? Never. Like you don't like I, the thing about the Joker is I like the mystique about him. Like he's well, that's why nobody's ever wanted. Reason. Like everybody's like, "Oh, origin story," but I like the fact there's never been an origin story. Yeah. There's I, also like theories and ideas that there's not just one that's why the joker never knows what what you know is anybody's talking about is because he wasn't that joker yeah he changes up his mind yeah i i was talking to a fellow geek and this is the last thing i'll say about the joker because we got some other stuff who said that she would personally like to see the end of this movie turn out to be kind of like american psycho where real you don't know like when you leave you don't know if it really happened and that way it's like it's all based on like if it's great then like you got your joke origin but if you're a comic book diehard like that's all a dream that's yeah. all something different right so i don't know yeah I'm, i mean either like either way like that scene where like the 30 second teaser we got where the mu- old music's playing and then the picture's flashing and it immediately goes from like joy to deadpan mm-hmm. was beautiful it yeah. was so much emotion in 30 seconds and i th- like i said i think he'll knock it out of the park I agree. he'll look great he'll do a great job the look is kind of recycled mm-hmm. and i don't know where i mean it just comes from Heath ledger's jokers yeah. kind of set a template mm-hmm. um but you know I'm, I'm sure he'll do great yeah I, and i would love to, i think it'd be awesome if he won an oscar for being joker that would be awesome <laughs> it would be two two people want an Oscar yeah, for being Joker. That would be great. No I, matter what Marvel says, right, they make billions, sure. 
they win Oscars. I think uh, people are going to realize like how underrated Walking Phoenix is. I'm more of a River Phoenix fan. Really? No, I mean like Walk the Line was good. I think Her just, was good. I think people just remember when he got super weird for with Casey Affleck. Yeah, you know. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Casey Affleck should play uh, Robin. He, yeah, I think so. <laughs> I thought that would be great. I just think that he uh, kind of fell off. He's doing Amazon. Well, movies everybody now. got mad at him. Yeah, and that's where I stopped liking him because it was just I knew it was for something, but I just don't have the patience to see what it's for, yeah. and I don't care enough about him. Yeah, to figure out what indie project he's working on yeah. or he's going super meta. I'm more of a River guy. Well, Stand by me. He has one good movie. Yeah, that's about it. Oh, was he in like The Lost Boys? Was he part of that gang? He might have been. Maybe he had some good 80s movies. Yeah, Who knows? But his worst move was going to the Viper Room. But yeah. we're going from 30 seconds of pure emotion to a trailer that showed our main character with zero emotion. Mm-hmm. Like, her face just stayed the same for, like, happy, sad, anger, depressed. And it's, it's set the comic skaters well, and, and tit a flame all a tizzy because she wouldn't smile. I bet. And that is the Captain Marvel trailer. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think of it? I liked it. I, I actually tweeted about how much I liked it yeah. and how excited it made me. Cause, I'm just soaking the flames. Yeah, I, I am so, like, you know, you're just on the same, I think we're on the same level here. I am so invested in this storyline Yeah. that I can't, I, they showed nothing. Well, they showed a lot of stuff, actually. They showed Scree, Crawl. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't think we'll get a full backstory in either one of them. No. I don't know what she's going to wind up being. Yeah. I mean, she's she's working with the Cree. Yeah, but like, because she's with Korath. And spoiler Margot. alert: If no one's ever read the comics about Carol Danvers, but she goes to a machine and makes a wish. Mm-hmm. This is back in like what sixties yeah. or like late sixties. That was her storyline. Yeah. She was a te- she was a in the uh, Air Force, mm-hmm. but she wanted to be like Captain Marvel, so she made a wish. Well, she didn't make a wish. She this machine granted. Yeah. Which is sort of anyway. It wasn't Zoltan. No, but it was, it, this wasn't like a superhero. It was page. a machine that could make things happen magically through comics in this late sixties. But yeah. she and she basically be, got like got all the same powers as Captain Marvel. Yeah. Um. So I don't know how they're going to rectify that. I don't think they're going to make the wish no, machine. I think just displaced in time, and that's about it. Yeah. Like you're probably going to jump in. Like you're not going to see her in the Air Force back then. You're going to see her in the Air Force now when she comes back. I right. Think. And that's like that's the thing. Like we did see all the the points that we knew that were going to happen. We knew Ronan was going to be in it, yep. so you get a back shot of Ronan. Mm-hmm. We knew uh, Coulson was going to be in it. And we yeah. knew they Fury, had Fury age, was going to be in it. Age back uh, Fury, yeah. Coulson, everybody. We knew they would they were going to be in it. We knew that we would see some other characters that we'd seen before with Korath, and we knew Marvel was going to be there. We see that. Then we see the scrolls. Yep. They look awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people reacted pretty negatively when she punched the old woman because they didn't know what it was. And uh, if that woman's not a scroll, and it's a ballsy move to put that in your trailer. It really is, right? I guess they're just like at this point they're like, this is going to make a ton of money because it sets up Infin- uh, Avengers Four. Yeah, like this movie is going to be a billion dollar movie because people want to see that. I'm so invested in, and we talked about this a thousand times. How we get to where is she right now? Yeah, and how is like what? Why is he so certain that she's the one to go to? Yeah, the weird thing I see is, of course, the two biggest stories are she doesn't smile. Yeah, she'd be prettier if she smiled. You know, get that's so stupid. Yeah. It's so sexist and misogynistic, and and 
it is where half the not even half it's it's where a small portion of the comics community is at right now and they really didn't play any scenes where she needed to smile she if, she's, if she's smiling, she punching, punching that woman, woman. <laughs> right? If she's smiling, punching that woman in the face, it's you know she's more uh, a sadist. There was uh, a bunch of memes going around where it's like uh, they should smile more and stuff like that, but it was of Captain America with a fake smile. Yeah, but um, there's that, but there's also a lot of stuff going around about people saying she's the most powerful superhero. Yeah, I just don't remember that being the case in the comic. I know she's yeah. got like the. If she goes like overloads, oh yeah, well, she has the power of like a star when she goes like binary. A supernova. Yeah, yeah, and she went binary in the trailer. Like that's the thing, right? It took five. The, the whole this is how the internet is gauging Marvel movies. It took three movies for Scarlet Witch to get glowing eyes. Right. Like that's her other powerful, yeah, most powerful. It took five movies for Thor, mm-hmm. and it's taking. A minute, like a minute and a half trailer for <laughs> Captain Marvel to go binary. Yeah, and I think you have to let that happen because Thanos can move moons with the right with the gauntlet. Captain Marvel has already been established that she's going to come in there and be able to move planets when she goes binary. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. They're making her Marvel Jesus. They are because Adam Warlock's and not developed yet. Every well, and who knows? Yeah, I don't think we ever see that. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, but it's weird that everybody is saying, oh, you know, regular news outlets are saying the most powerful character in, yeah. in Marvel is going to be a woman. Where temp- actually, almost technically, Scarlet Witch is maybe the most powerful already that yeah, we've already seen. She has but been. We don't see that necessarily in the movies, but yeah. technically she could have been. Yeah, then you bring in someone like Storm or Phoenix in the right. next phase, you're, they're always going to be stronger. And... uh then you hear like a lot of people going, but that doesn't make sense. Why the most? Why is she being touted as the most powerful? But she could be. She has to be yeah. at this point. It's just it's just based on necessity. She's the answer. Yeah, you can't. I don't think they're going to introduce five more superheroes like in Avengers Wars. Exactly. Oh my god! If she knocks Thanos over and steps over him, I'm going to lose my shit. Like she just knocks him over and does the Tyron Lou and just steps over Thanos. I'm done. But like. It, she, they're not going to introduce like Nova and Quasar and all her gang in right. Avengers Four because I mean that's overkill. That's Spider Man Two or uh, Amazing Spider Man Two and a Spider Man Three type of right. where you're getting all these interlapping storylines. They made her the most powerful one because they needed that to happen. Right, she needs to come in and somehow clean everything up. Exactly, and like that's the. I mean, that's the gift and the curse of like you're coming in there with these preconceived expectations, but then you're going to see the the prequel to Avengers 4 which is Captain Marvel and you're going to be like she's not very powerful at all you know what I mean right. or she's not what we've expected but there's a time lapse there's like a 20 year time lapse yeah and then god if she's binary in Captain Marvel in the 90s right. imagine what's going to happen in 2020 well that's why I, I keep wondering is where is she yeah and you keep and you said and the news is we're five years in the future yeah so maybe wherever she is that signal took five years to get to yeah. her whatever now she has to so maybe she's cocooned somewhere and we don't know but yeah it, it, it's it'll be a good story and i wonder it, it's it, this is where marvel's put us i'm my interest in the movie is is almost exactly equal to my interest in the post-credit scene yeah you know of, like, the post-credit scene i think is going to be the scene that links to Avengers yeah, 4. That was a scene in Ant-Man. 
Yeah. Like, that's the only scene I wanted to see was the end. Like, I feel like I saw the entire movie in the trailers. And I was like, let me see that last minute. Right. And that was it. What What about this? So, the Soul Stone, guarded by Red Skull. Somebody had to be in the Soul Stone, right? Mm-hmm. We know that Gamora is now in the Soul Stone. That's or, where we think she is. Or right? where everybody that got snapped away. What if Ronan, at one point, or Korath, who we know already switched teams, he went to work with Ronan because we know Ronan is, is a monster. Mm-hmm. What if Ronan captured Captain Marvel and put her in the Soul Stone? And that, because, again, he knew about the stones because he, he wanted to get the Power Stone. That was his whole thing. Who's to say he didn't have the Soul Stone or knew, had a lead on it? So, or maybe Marvel turns on her. What happens when she gets the pager message, though? What what is that for then? My thought is there ha- if she's captured, yeah, there has to be a there has to be a reason why um, Fury knows to send her that page. Yeah. So he has to know where she's at or what she's doing. And kind of in the comic books now, doesn't she reside on like a space station? Mm-hmm. Yeah, with like Quasar and all. Yeah, all the other she's basically like. Guys. The Avengers of Space. Yeah, yeah. She's like uh, the leader of the Watchtower. Yeah, yeah. So. I don't know. I, I like the So this has to be something that she could, if she's trapped, that's one story. It would work. But yeah. I think she's voluntarily somewhere because why else would Fury know the pager and why would it be such a last minute thing to do? Yeah. Exactly. If if he had this, this burden in the hand, why did he wait until the yeah. end? So, like, like Voltron wasn't good enough? Yeah. And, yeah. You have yeah. Ultron going around, Red Skull. You, like, I said Voltron. It's okay. <laughs> they, they, they formed each other. It's cool. <laughs> like, I just feel like you knew this was something was happening. Everybody yeah. knew. And, like, he knows where everybody is at every given time. He has agents everywhere. Why didn't he know that Thanos was coming? You don't see the, you know, the uh, the Outriders in Wakanda. You don't see the Black Order in New York City. You don't see that. Yeah. Because like, where was how, he? Was like, he in DC? How do you know? Yeah, how do you know when's the right time? Yeah. Like, oh, I'm disappearing. Let me hit that button. Unless he's a scroll. And he hit that out of necessity, like, shit, I want to come back. Like, I got more more things to I do. Know. I don't know either. It was I great. hope we don't get too deep. I think scrolls are the next phase, I think. Yeah, Secret Invasion has I, to be But phased. I've never really liked it because it erases so much. And it's like, I, and it's, it's you know, it's actually pretty good storytelling. Yeah. Because you... You get to erase and take all the pieces off the board and put them back on. So, yeah. I don't know. Gives you a chance to see, like, further down the line, your favorite heroes come back, though. Right. Which could be really cool. Another bit of Marvel news, um, Kevin Feige's going to oversee the X-Men. Yeah. He's going to usher them in. And I think that's going to happen, like, immediately. He said he's going to wait, but Guardians wait of the Galaxy... Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah it, without Guardians of the Galaxy, you could have the X-Men take over the... Usher in. Yeah. We're, we're ready for the Shi'ar Empire, and, mm-hmm. and we're ready for the Star Jammers and all that. Yep. Do that right away. Yeah, I yeah. want to see Guardian. We're going to see uh, Leandra um, mm-hmm. at some point in 2019 because right. of uh, Dark Phoenix. Yeah, and that's still happening. It's amazing that that's still happening. But th- now it's going to have to happen under MCU's banner, right? No, it's still it's a Fox like Disney's going to have the rights. So it's a Fox pre-production. I, I just think like with that and New Mutants still coming out that it's gonna have it's you're gonna need to retcon all of that don't even put it out no or carry those characters over if that's if maybe it's a, an audition like these pe- these young actors they worked we can bring them into the, the, the fold but we're gonna 
we're not going to forget about them not being around. Yeah. You know, like that they still have to rectify the why weren't they in the fight? Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to do that. Yeah. I don't know either, but I don't I don't care about the Dark Unless they Phoenix. do that you know, the ultimates that they've been talking about where and that the ultimates Wolverine becomes the first mutant yeah. and the gene gets reactivated and Oh man, can you imagine the announcement when they recast Wolverine? Oh, and it's I don't know, Scott Eastwood. <laughs> People are going to be upset that I swear to you the, the world is going to riot when Scott Eastwood becomes Wolverine. He's not his dad. No, no. He's not, he's, his... he's not even a sister. That's that's the shame. <laughs> But we're we're on the the topic of of Fox pre pre productions that are going to be going to Disney Kingsman the third one has already been announced. That's good. It's coming out in uh, well, well, twenty nineteen. We'll yeah, <laughs> but Channing Tatum's still attached to it, and okay. Jeff Bridges. So are you like are you on the Kingsman bandwagon? I'll watch not? it. Yeah. I, I I haven't watched the second one yet, but it's okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll catch it on. It's uh, it's pretty good. But Matthew Vaughn's coming back to okay. to work on it, so it's the same guy doing all three, which is also great. Right. And uh, that just furthers my fear that that Batman movie that he's been talking about. Is never going to happen. No. Because he's already just taking other jobs. So that's happening. He's doing... Well, I mean, he's got to work. Well, well he's, he's got to do something. He's doing everything. He's developing yeah. new uh, Hit Girl. He's developing new Kick-Ass Hit Girl. All that stuff. So he's really taken on the, the yeah. image Mark Miller wor- world. And he's just putting it into his yeah. own... And he's trying to make his own MC or ICU. Yeah, I guess. Image. Um, I mean, you know. Cinematic universe. It'll work for me. I, I don't mind it. No, it's violent. Yeah, um, and I feel like this is their chance to. They're gonna end it. They're gonna end it right with this version of Eggsy, and uh, say we can start this in a, a less rapey PG thirteen <laughs> tone uh, when Disney gets it, or not happen at all. Oh, uh, well, and Eggsy can. The, what's his name? Tyler. Uh, Taron Edgerton. Taron Edgerton. Yeah. Can start making his way maybe into other movies. Yeah. Uh, well, he's doing Robin Hood. Yeah. Coming out in November. I'm excited for that one. Yeah. Any chance for me to see an Archer in action? I'm 100. percent Yeah, it hasn't. I haven't liked the last few. Yeah. Well, they said this is like John Wick with bow and arrow, <laughs> and if that's true, and I think they have the fight coordinator from John Wick. Oh, really? Yeah. So if they if that's true, sign me up. Like 100 percent sign yeah. me up. All right. Um, another thing that's coming out from Disney is Loki and Scarlet Witch are getting their own series, and it's rumored that Hiddleston and Olsen are attached to play. Uh, TV or yeah, TV series. Why those two? It's going to be on the Disney Play app when that comes uh, out. Well, Hiddleston, I get. Yeah. Because people love it, Hiddleston. And it gives a chance for more Loki, more money. Right. Scarlet Witch, I feel like, was kind of misrepresented. And maybe, just maybe, this is the way you introduce Magneto. Maybe Magneto is the first. Because a lot of people think Storm is going to be the first X-Men to be introduced in Wakanda. Which would work, maybe, in Black Panther 2. Yeah. But this would be... He could find her as a queen. Mm-hmm. But this would be a great way to introduce Magneto and bring back Quicksilver. Right, right. That would be good. But wouldn't... All well, right, uh, for Storm, let's talk about that for a second. Okay. Wouldn't she have already been... Because we know Storm had been using... And she's from what? Nairobi, right? Yeah. But she'd, she'd, she'd been using her powers for years before they found her, right? Well, maybe this is... I mean, they're going to wreck on some way. Yeah, but. maybe she was like... Maybe Storm was... Not in Africa the whole time. Maybe she was one of the war dogs. Maybe. And, yeah. you know, maybe, who knows? Killmonger oh, So had you're his, saying she's a, a Wakandan? Could be. Okay. Yeah, because the whole thing is like Lupita is going to be his, his yeah, we storm, are, yeah, but she has no power. That's what I was going to say. We already saw 
with his queen. But I could see Lupita getting she, killed. Yeah, it'll be, that's an easy fix. Yeah. And you bring in Storm. So she would probably be... Like, the last time we saw Storm in Africa was in Apocalypse when she was in Cairo. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's just an easy transition. It would have been good to have her be one of the uh, the guards or something. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, the Dora Milaje. Yeah. That would be really cool. But, I mean, you just hear... Maybe she, maybe she doesn't have to be Wakandan. And we didn't recognize her because she didn't have her hair grown. Yeah. Like, she wasn't Alexandria's ship or uh, yeah. Halle Berry. I think <laughs> Michael B. Jordan's Killmonger. If they bring him back, he comes in with Storm as one of his war dogs that he's... He's recruited. She doesn't even have to be Wakandan. He went rogue. Yeah. He got all these war dogs. She could be Nairobian. I hope, as much as I like him, I hope that he doesn't get it. And I hope he, I hope he gets Superman. So yeah, I don't think it's gonna happen. No, but. I don't think that's gonna happen either. That'd be fun though. Oh, just watching the internet implode. Yeah, that would be I mean, a lot of fun. It already imploded when people were like, "Superman's not black," and yeah. then then they hit you with the Val L, and you're like, "Oh yeah, Superman is black." <laughs> just depends on what world you're in in the multiverse. Are you gonna um? Are you gonna get? The Disney Play app, if they start doing more stuff on if, the MCU. If it's the only way, yeah, okay. I, I might try it. But if if I don't have to, then no. Yeah, there's not enough for me to care about it. Well, the the rumor is Daredevil season three and whatever's already in development may be the end mm. of the Netflix universe because Iron Fist two was received very well. Uh, I enjoyed it personally. Yeah, um, you liked it too. Yeah, I did. I saw your tweets. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> They said that uh, Jeff Loeb came out and said, unlike the movie scheme, you know, you don't have to wait. You can say, all right, well, you know, Captain America's coming out in 2024. Mm-hmm. He says, you have, you're at the, the liberty of all your developers and your networks. And he says, Netflix hasn't renewed Luke Cage, Defenders. That's crazy. Or Iron Fist. Why wouldn't they renew that? I well, just think they think the writing's on the wall that once Disney Play comes right, out. Right, right. They're not one, stupid. So, yeah. Or Disney has hinted enough at it that... You know, geez, that sucks. That's a big blow to Netflix, yeah. I think. Because Daredevil comes out October 19th now. It was like, I thought it was coming out in December, mm-hmm. like November, December. And it's like, you know what? Titans is coming out on the 12th. Your sec- you have your first episode. When everybody hates your first episode, <laughs> the next week we're putting out all 13 episodes of Daredevil. Yeah. That's crazy. That's a power move. Yeah. That's one hundred percent power move. I can honestly say in the last two weeks, I don't know how much regular TV I've watched. I've watched almost primarily Netflix. Yeah. It's getting to the point where I don't need cable, but... Mm-mm. Every channel has their own app now. Not only that. I mean, but sometimes you got to subscribe. Yeah. But I, I just Netflix has a lot of stuff I don't mind watching. Yeah, and Hulu's coming out with their new uh, slogan, we're about to ruin cable for you. <laughs> so, cable, we've already talked about our stance on cable, mm-hmm. but... There are two shows that I'm really looking forward well, to I'm, watching. Well, you know, if Punisher goes to Disney app, um, oh my god, could you imagine a Disney <laughs> Punisher? <laughs> I'm gonna have to go over there and watch it. So it's like when Apple changed the emoji to from a real pistol to a water gun. Yeah, that would be the transition. <laughs> there was a there was a meme on Instagram I saw this morning that the moment that Scarlet Witch and Loki were announced, they showed a picture of the defenders in the elevator and they were turning into dust like they didn't survive the snap I thought, and like the snap corrects everything like you the inhumans never existed they didn't survive oh, the thank snap God. you can bring hate um you know agent carter she didn't survive the snap now you know it's just one of those well she's dead in general so there are some things that i'm looking forward to yeah i also want to see how the shield ties in yeah I I, I I think I, Shield's tying in post everything because it comes out in July. Yeah, and it's normally they did, and they December. they postponed it for a long time mm-hmm. now. Yeah, they're like we're gonna put out Runaways and Cloak and Dagger before we put the last season of Shield. Right. Out. 
I don't know. I, I was, I wasn't like totally bought in on the shield last yeah. season. I was just long for the ride to see, yeah, what happened. But all right, it, it wasn't all that great. Me, I agree. The last bit of news, very quickly, and this is plugging our future episode. And I think next week we'll do Predator if we have mm-hmm. time. Then Venom, and then following that would be Doctor Who season eleven. Finally mm-hmm. got a release date, uh, December or December October seventh. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna see Jodie Whittaker line up as uh, the thirteenth Doctor. <laughs> I'm fairly excited. Again, yeah. it's a uh, it's big for me. It's first uh, Doctor I'm gonna walk in fresh with. <laughs> yeah, true. So we'll see how it goes. But uh, look for a Doctor Who centered episode. Yeah, another soon. one. Yeah, we've now, laid off him for a long time. We really have. Yeah, because you know we'd get another David Tennant episode. <laughs> like it'd be Tennant, 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 or like we get like the third Doctor, and like everyone's like, "Oh, I haven't seen that. I didn't know there was a third Doctor." Yeah, we saw his son though. Speaking of, we uh. We went to Heroes and Villains Fan Fest in uh, Edison, New Jersey, and now we're halfway through the podcast with the news. We can uh, we can talk our, the the full episode. What'd you think of it? Your first time Heroes and Villains Fan Fest, not really a Comic Con, right? No, it's it's like uh, it's cool that it's kind of a uh, like a, a a DC TV yeah like ass kiss and show yeah. Because it's not it's Fox too because of it's not just Warner Brothers but it has Gotham yeah a lot of CW though CW and 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 they Fox. throw some Gotham in there for extra which is cool um, but I, yeah I, you go in there with a con, uh, like a con mindset mm-hmm. but it's not really a con it is a fan fest yeah if you're it, it's kind of like a flea market that's centered around meet and greets because mm-hmm. like you have your vendors right in the middle like right. Same guys selling pops at every con. They're going to be yeah. there. You're going to have maybe one or two indie um, comic book artists. Did, and well, that was weird. We, did, we had, like, what, one? Yeah, it was, like, the super religious one, right? Yeah. Like, if Jesus so. was a superhero, something uh, like that. Maybe. I can't remember. Because like, I was looking for one to, to, to talk to. And, and you I know, think, I think it was, like, biblical books. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was there. Because we got, I mean, we've done all right with some indie comics. Yeah. That we've read and, and, and talked about. So... I was I was hoping to find like a cool indie, co- but I didn't see anything that caught my eye. They had great empanadas. Yeah, I'll tell you that tiny empanadas, but they were delicious. But for those of you our listeners that have no idea what the fuck we're talking about, uh, Heroes and Villains is a fan fest, like Tom said, DC oriented, uh, with your favorites from Arrow, Flash, all the CW right. stuff. So like this this one we saw um, Katie Cass no Katie Cassidy wasn't there. We saw Echo Kellum. Josh Segarra, who else was there? Colton Haynes, Colton Victor Haynes. Garber, David uh, David Paul Ramsey, Rick Gonzalez, Juliana Harkavy, everybody from Arrow, essentially, yeah. minus Stephen Amell, who's Long normally Gate. at them. Yeah, he would have been there. He just got finished wrestling. Uh, the, guy, the guy plays Elongated Man. What's his yeah, name? Uh, Artley Sawyer. Yeah, all, a lot of, almost everybody. Yeah, yeah, Candace Patton was there. Yeah. Candace Patton was there. Uh, then we got the, the Gotham folks like uh, Aaron Richards, Drew Powell, David Mizell's. Yeah. Sean Pertwee, they were all there. And then you got Tyler Hodgkin, who plays Superman. Yeah. And he had like the longest line. Him and Colton Hayes had the biggest line. Mm-hmm. And they paired him next to someone I thought was going to have the longest line because he was in Justice League, uh, Ray Fisher, who had the smallest line. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, and they're like, no, put him with the other movie stars. And it's like, <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, no one knows who Ray Fisher is. But Cyborg was there as well. Uh, yeah. It was it was a lot of fun. We uh, We normally meet people at cons, but this year we didn't. Uh, but we saw a lot of people walk by us and said hello. Yeah, we talked to a lot of people. Yeah. Well, I mean, said hi to, a, you know. Yeah, uh, Sean Pertwee. We got in the way. Yeah. 
And it, that was by design, though. We yeah. knew where they were coming. So we saw, who did we see? We saw Sean Pertwee. Echo uh, Column. Yeah, Echo Column. Uh, Robbie Amell. Robbie Amell. Uh, Franz Strauman. Yeah. Uh, Victor Garber. Um, Mazals. We saw yeah. him. Sean Pertwee, or uh, uh, not Sean Pertwee. Uh, oh, well, he was supporting Fanny Boys 100%. Yeah. He's dressed like a uh, in capri pants. And <laughs> he was. He thought he was going to the Jersey Shore, and yeah. he was end up ended up in the Jersey Industrial Complex. <laughs> oh, but you know what? I, I think just if it's a situ, if it's a meet and greet that you're going to, and like these are the actors that you'd like, it's a perfect thing. Mm-hmm. I've been to all of them in New Jersey. And, uh, it's a traveling show too. They have other. Yeah, no, not just I New think Jersey. like San Jose, Chicago, uh, Nashville. Mm-hmm. Like it's all over, but. If you're a fan of the shows that we like, uh, I think that this is a this is a show to to go to. Yeah, the CW shows. If you like any of them, that they were there. And yeah, it's they had um, a couple panels. Yeah, nothing too crazy. But yeah, but they give away tickets. Like that's the thing. Yeah. We we spend fifty dollars on four tickets. Yeah, yeah, you know, we bought one ticket, and we split it between four people. Like that's the thing. Like they definitely do uh, big deals for that. It's super affordable. Mm-hmm. Like there's nobody that was super like hundred and fifty dollars for a meet and greet or right. something. Right, um, and it, it was weird because they did do that. It was a great deal, but it it was still packed. Yeah. I guess it was packed because of that, maybe. But a lot of people there. Yeah, I mean, not too much. That it, like you couldn't do anything. But. We we got there, or we got there when it opened because we were waiting right. in line. But by the time we left, it was packed. Yeah. And cosplay was on point there, too. There was some really good cosplay. Yeah. A lot of Black Canaries, we noticed. Uh, a really cool Ghost Rider. Yeah. Uh, that, that Ghost Rider good. was really cool. Uh, you scored. You got a Kane Hodder autograph picture. Yep. How'd that go? It, uh, Binks loved it. Uh, yeah, I hadn't talked to you about it. Yeah, he loved it. Um, he was really surprised by it, which is good. That's what, That was the point. Right. Um, I, Kane Hodder wasn't there, but I, I got it. My son loves Jason, even though he's never seen him. Yeah. We got to learn about the woman's boobs who sold it to us. Right. She has breast cancer. Yeah, she's getting bigger ones. Yeah. She said, fear not. <laughs> they're coming back. And we're like, all right. <laughs> Chuck walked away. That was the best yeah. part. He's like, oh, he's, like, he's like, I'm going to leave yeah. you with the wolves, man. <laughs> you have that. But that, that was, uh, that's your yeah, And I got one. the other two paintings that were pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, but this is is this a con that you'd want to go back to or a fan sure. fest you'd go Why back not? to? Uh it'd be neat if uh Stephen Amell goes there. Yeah, Barrowman yeah. goes there every yeah. year but this year. Yeah, I'd like to meet Barrowman yeah. someday. I got to meet Barrowman. Yeah, you got hit on by Barrowman. Perfect segue <laughs> into my Barrowman experience. I was able to cover um Keystone Comic Con, as you know, but our listeners may not. I was able to cover the first Keystone Comic Con in Pennsylvania. Uh same people will put it on New York Comic Con, Emerald City, I think Manchester Comic Con over in London. Um, I got to do the one in Philly. I got to be one of the, the press people. I got official Keystone badge, and they said, you create as much content as you want for Keystone. And I said, hell yeah, I'll do it. And I created a shit ton of Keystone, uh, I guess, content that is never going to see the light of day other than this podcast. All right. So it's it's lovely. This podcast and the Active Geek podcast. But uh, I got to meet John Barrowman for free because he's got a, a webtoon out called Accursion, I believe it's called. Um, and he went full Silver Fox. Yeah. You know, um, got to meet him, his sister, and his writing partner at their booth. He signed an autograph for me, called me cutie. I was 100% <laughs> on board with it. Um, and then I left. And, you know, it was it was a fun encounter. There's a picture of my big-ass head and him signing my paper. Uh, it, that was fun. But I got some interviews, Tom. Yep. And this was – Keystone was 100% a Comic-Con where there were – artist there was a wrestling stand a wrestling ring there was a stage they had cosplay contest uh it just wasn't publicized well 
Yeah, that's our first one here. Yeah, but this is like the biggest, second biggest con in America. Yeah. Like, that's the company. And they didn't, like, nobody knew about it. Like, I was there all three days. And Friday was, it was 100% empty. Like, I could have interviewed anybody I wanted. Yeah, that sucks. But, I mean, it, I, I, I hope it doesn't affect them because I'd like to see, i like to go maybe. No, it's coming back. They, um, they already confirmed it. And I'm going that's back good. to it. I don't want it, like, the to come out looking like they don't have fans here. Yeah. But I, I think they know they do. Yeah, Friday it was dead. But Saturday and Sunday it kind of picked up because obviously, you know, Saturday, Friday at 12 o'clock is not a really great time to open a con. Right. But the one and thing... Keystone's not going to be a destination con. Exactly. And like for Philly, like I was telling Chuck, you know, we're very uh, routine in the tri-state area. Like we know when things are going to happen. And Wizard World happens in the fall, in the um, early summer. In the late spring, we get um, Great Philadelphia Con. There's nothing after that. Like, we mm-hmm. know it's done. Keystone kind of popped up. I was like, hey, we're going to do it in September, a month before New York Comic Con, where everybody around here is saving all their money for right, that con. Right. So it was kind of tough. And then they, you know, as somebody who goes to a lot of cons per year, I think the, the thing they suffered from were less than current names as far as guests. Like, they did an office reunion. But they didn't have, like, Rain Wilson wasn't there, Steve Carell, John Krasinski, Jenna Fisher, they weren't there. It was a supporting cast, which are are all fan favorites. You know, Creed and Stanley and Oscar and Angela, they were all there. But that's been, what, 10 10 years since The Office went off air? So that's a a tough get. And then True Blood. Like, another one, but, like... Anna Paquin, we ha- I haven't seen her in anything since the yeah, why days wouldn't of Future she Best, <laughs> right? Uh, well, she was Rogue, so yeah. like she's gonna get the X Men stuff. Uh, her husband Stephen Moyer was there. He's on Gifted, which is fine. His uh, television wife Amy Acker was there. I didn't realize she was an Angel. That's the thing. Uh, okay. And I loved Angel. I forgot that she was in it. Uh, and then Joe Manganiello was there. He was there. He was there. Um, his handler was uh, less than friendly. Uh-huh. Uh, I get why he doesn't do a lot of cons. Um, one he was uh, very expensive to get um but in order to talk to him you had to go jump through hoops um i would have jumped through those hoops but the people i was with wanted so like i wouldn't have to put out money but he was very unaccessible uh same thing with barrowman he wasn't too impressed either but i think it was because he was doing a lot of signings and free Mm -hmm. stuff for his web comic so that was fine but he was there mccod brooks was there jimmy olsen yeah but you know you know well just for a second about barrowman we know Barrowman has a track record for being very friend. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, he's like he's got a long track record of just not giving a shit about who's around, and mm-hmm. he loves fans. And I mean, he went to a bar with a bunch of fans that came through the snow and everything. Yeah. So, yeah, and he, Stephen Amell did too. So. Yeah, he was like he he wasn't like oh I'm not doing press. He was like I can't do press. That's the thing. Right. Like he he had the the web. He was free signing. Like if if you wanted to meet Barrowman. You didn't even have to go and pay yeah. for his booth. You just get in line. It was free at his at the webtoon stuff. So it was uh, he was accessible, just not for press, and right. that's fine. I didn't think I was going to land Barrowman anyway. <laughs> he's a little uh, he's a little bigger than our little podcast right now. Right now, for now. Yeah, next year we'll have him. I keep I I once a month. I think I said on a tweet. Yeah, <laughs> We're, like, listen, I I slipped in the card, so he <laughs> he has our info. Um, Catherine Tate was there from okay. Torchwood. Um, got a chance to say hello to her. She was very friendly. Um, but that was just in passing, kind of like she. She was there for the office. Yeah, she was on the office too. Yeah, she played Nellie. Um, she was there, and um, like I said, McCod Brooks was there. I saw Jerry the King Lawler uh, to go back to our Planet Wrestletopia plug. 
uh, Jerry the King Lawler was there, James Ellsworth, Tommy Dreamer and his House of Hardcore is there. Uh, but we were able to, well, I was able to. Uh, you, uh, t- uh, Tommy Dreamer is now a fan, right? Yeah. Of our show? Yeah, he listened. He listened to our <laughs> episode. I was like, all right, let's let this happen. Um, he was like our first play of the day that Friday. He was like, here you go. <laughs> so that happened. And then um, I was able to get some interviews. And the first one I got that I'll play for you on the, you haven't heard these, and this is the best part about it. First one I got was from a absolute comic legend, and uh, I pardon the uh, pardon the shoddy sound because obviously I did this on the the floor, but I got Chris Claremont, um, and our people, our listeners may not know Chris Claremont, and if they don't, it's okay, it's cool. Uh, but if you have an X Men favorite character that's not the core five and Wolverine, yeah. he's created it. Yeah, like I read his just his, about everybody after Wolverine. Yes, yeah. his his. Gambit, Psylocke, Captain Britain. All your favorite stories yep. are Chris Claremont stories. Yeah, and uh, I got them for a minute and 30 seconds that, that I will play right here. I'm here with comic book legend Chris Claremont, and I have one question I want to ask you, Chris. Yes? What can we expect from your return with X-Men Black? Uh, 20 pages of unexpected, interesting stuff. Was it, was it excited to come back? Were you excited to come back to it? It's always exciting to write the characters I know and love. In this case, it, it's much more interesting because it involves the government response to the mutant problem and it has a relevance to current events that is sadly appropriate and disturbing. I know it's, it's going to be a huge event and it's, it's going to be great. We're glad to have you back. We're glad to have you in Philly at the con. And thank you for taking this time with us. I know you have a panel to be at. So thank you so much. You're more than welcome. And it's a lot of fun to be back in Philly. Awesome. I'm having a great time. I hope you guys are too. And even though there's only a few hours left, people get down here and have fun. Yeah. Are you on social media at all? Uh, I, Facebook. All right. Is that Chris Claremont? All right. Chris Claremont on Facebook. Thank you, Chris. You're more than welcome. So... I got, I literally got that much time with him because he, <laughs> he was about to do a big panel and they, I was like, listen, I, I really need to talk to Chris. And they're like, that's fine. No, give him a question. So I hit him with that question. Um, X-Men Black, for those of you who aren't playing along at home, um, is a new series that's coming out from Marvel at the end of this month. I think it's either uh, this upcoming Wednesday or the 30th where um, he's like he's coming back to write Magneto's part. Mm-hmm. And I think he's writing, I think he's either writing Mystique or Emma Frost, but I'm not I'm not sure, but it's Mystique, Emma Frost, Magneto, Juggernaut, and Mojo. They're okay. all getting number ones, and uh, he's attached to it, so I had to ask him about it. This is kind of a cool idea because um, back in the day, like the reimagining and maybe the repopularization of X Men was when they went golden and blue. Mm-hmm. That's when everybody kind of got back on. They had a little bit more racier storylines, sexier, quote-unquote, yeah. storylines. But it made it more popular for that time in the late 90s. So this is a cool idea to do this X-Men Black and make it kind of like, like he was saying, put it into like the here and now, mm-hmm. kind of use the news that's going on and use it into comic books and the control the government has over mutants. Yeah, and uh, it's some. I don't read Marvel anymore. I think the only thing I started to read from Marvel was uh, the Lando stuff, and I stopped reading that too because there's just like so much going on with DC and Vertigo and mm-hmm. Image. But 
I think I'm going to pick up the stuff that he writes just because now I've established a, uh, yeah. I'm going to say a friendship <laughs> with him. Uh, he probably had no idea who I was, but it's fine. Um, full disclosure, man, I shook like a leaf the entire time he was talking to me. Like <laughs> every interview that you're going to hear, I was shaking uh, because uh, full uh, open again, like I have social anxiety. So doing all that was like uh, pretty tough for me, but. I well, and also, he is a hero. Yeah. Him, he created my favorite X-Men, Gambit. I named my yeah. cat after him. Um, and I told him that off air. I was like, listen, this is you get this a lot, but I named my cat after Gambit. And he's like, oh, that's awesome. Uh, and then he left. He had to ask his handler if he was on social media. And uh, I think his handler was his wife. All right. Uh, but he, he looked healthy as a horse. Like, Good. very, very nice. He had, like, a corner table, super accessible. Um, so if you... It, you know, he's not a... He's not very socially. He's not social media active. Yeah. So he's not a real star on that, and that's where a lot of people. He's not a known face. He's a known yeah. name, but I don't know if he's a known face. And I didn't even know he was British. Yeah. And yeah. he he didn't even sound British when I was interviewing him. Right. And I mean, he must have been like. Well, he's lived here forever. Yeah, he's probably Americanized now. Yeah, at but, least since the nineties, he's probably been living. Yeah. And working, but um, yeah, he's a, a he's a big he's a huge name. Yeah. The first person I texted after it was you. I was like, "Dude, I got Chris Claremont, putting him on the podcast." It was uh, it was really cool because I knew you'd appreciate it. Yeah. So we got we got him. That's cool. Yeah. I I I, I, I'm a, I mean, obviously, I'm a huge fan. Yeah. Um, and that's when his stuff is probably the first stuff I actually started to read. Yeah. Back in the day, I mean, it it was prime time X Men for me growing up because it was early nineties when I was learning how to read. Right. So I was able to kind of he was doing well. He was doing seventy one to ninety five, I think. So I was able to read all like that. His yeah, his big X Men years is probably like late eighties, yeah, early Age of 90s. Apocalypse stuff yeah. like that, which was awesome. Uh, like, Days of Future Past is mm-hmm. him, which is I mean they've already made that into yeah. a movie. So. Yeah. And Age of Apocalypse, they made into yeah, yeah. Uh, a pretty shitty movie, but it happened. Uh, go back and like, and just for our listeners, go back and check his Wikipedia page and look at all the people that he's created. Like, right. it's staggering. How yeah. many Jubilee... as, as far as like, they gave him the reins to carry the X universe. Yeah. Uh, in the nineties, like uh, you know, not artistically yeah. really, but story wise, his stories are all the. Um, and he created like he basically created like X Force and yep. X Factor. I think was his idea. And so yeah. And for someone who is considered a legend at a Comic Con, like I was like when we asked like, do you have? Can we get a minute with Chris? I was, I was expecting like someone to say, "Are you kidding me?" Like you had to file this like a month in advance. And they were like, "No, yeah, yeah. Uh, these guys want to ask you a question." And he's like, yeah, "Sure, a, I love questions." Yeah, I, I got to chalk that up to a young crowd and maybe maybe. Just I don't know, man. We were shooed away by some other uh, comic book writers that will rela- rename, uh, remain nameless on our air, but I will tell you afterwards. Okay. Uh, yeah, we were we were shot down pretty hard too, <laughs> uh, by people who had no lines, and no <laughs> commissions. So it was uh, a little disheartening. But we asked him, and we were he was like, "Yeah, let's do it." That's cool. Yeah, it was really cool. Another cool one we got that's coming up is uh, Steve Orlando, who is a DC employee. I talked to him. This is a longer interview, uh, seven minutes and thirty eight seconds. Um, to kind of foreshadow everything, um, he wrote Midnighter, the newer stuff with Midnighter and Apollo. I think it was like when Midnighter was now mainstream into the DC universe and he was openly gay. So they knew more about, he, I think he was the first openly gay character um, right. out. Um, then he's he's done a lot with Batman Eternal, but this mainly focuses on his upcoming uh, Martian Manhunter series from uh, DC. And he did not, spoiler alert, did not like 
my fan theory about uh, Martian Manhunter coming into the DCEU. So uh, here it is, uh, <laughs> seven minutes and 38 seconds with Steve Orlando. Everyone, I'm here with Steve Orlando at the Keystone Comic Con, and I've got some questions for you, Steve. Right on, I've got some answers. What's up, man? Awesome. So I first got introduced to Midnighter through your work, mm -hmm. and I'm curious to see that since everybody in the DC lore is essentially getting their own movie, mm -hmm. is the world ready for a Midnighter movie? I think the world's ready. Uh, I mean, I've been fan casting Luke Evans for that, uh, oh, that for, for a large part of my life. Um, you know, that's not a spoiler. I don't know anything about anything, but uh, I think the world's ready for a Midnighter movie or something like it. You know, in yeah. the wake of how well Wonder Woman's done, how well Black Panther's done, we need a movie led by a queer lead. Uh, Batwoman, we get her own show, is incredible. Uh, this is the next step, and if it's not Midnighter, it's going to be someone else, but hopefully we'll be we'll be there. DC will be there doing it. Yeah, and hopefully they'll consult with you, because your storyline is amazing for Midnighter. I would you, like that. You truly captured the, the character. I really Thank love you. that. Um, another movie question. It's a, Entertain this theory for me, please. Um, you're working on Martian Manhunter. Yes. You're stuck on Mars right now, right? Yes, I can't get off. <laughs> My theory is that <laughs> since Steve Trevor is already dead in Wonder Woman, and he's coming back in 1984, they're using Martian Manhunter. He's super popular now with Supergirl, he's in the Justice League comics, and you're working on his new series. Is that holding any weight, you think? Is it what now? Does it hold any weight? Like, as a fan? I mean, I gotta tell you, it sounds pretty unlikely. Uh, but but I don't know anything. I mean, they, they, they keep the, the movies very siloed from us, so it's potentially true, uh, as is anything. Yeah. Um, but I... There are ways to get Martian Manhunter into the, into the, into the movie universe, but I think that you'll see the Wonder Woman movies focus on Wonder Woman yeah. mythology, and, 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 and he is traditionally not a part of her mythology, so I don't want to give uh, too much too much false hope in that specific direction, but representation for him in the movies, I feel like there's a good chance, you know, so, you know sooner rather than later, because of the, the visibility from the show. Um, our book is... You know, humbly going to be the best Martian Manhunter book that's ever been done. Let's talk about and, your book. Uh, that's what I'm and, excited and for. And so there'll be there'll be plenty of stuff for people to draw from. So what can you tell me about the book? I know it it was just announced two days ago. Yeah. I left the con, I got home, and I saw the announcement. I was like, oh my god, it's happening. Yeah. Went to your panel yesterday. You talked a little bit about it. Can you uh, give us a little bit about it? When it's coming out? It's coming out. So Martian Manhunter is coming out in December. Uh, it's going to be my, myself and Riley Rossmo, who I worked on Batman Shadow with, who I worked on Batman Night of the Monster Men with. He's probably my favorite collaborator. Uh, and, and we make each other better. Like, you know, the, the way that we work is very collaborative. It's very back and forth. It's very surprising. And that energy is coming across on the page. Uh, this is sort of presented in the format of Doomsday Clock or Mr. Miracle. It's a prestige format miniseries, 12 issues not necessarily beholden to continuity as much as character and consistency. Uh, and we're really trying to tell the Martian Manhunter story. This is set in the time period when he was on Earth, uh, living as John Jones, not yet revealing himself as Martian Manhunter of the world. And it's about his journey towards heroism, his journey back towards heroism, after, in his mind at least, failing to save Mars. And of course, like, he can't save his whole planet, none of us can, but as the last survivor, you sort of feel these things. You feel the shame, you feel this regret especially failing his family. Yeah. So Martian Manhunter, his existence on Earth is John Jones. That's his second chance. That's his second chance to be the man that he wasn't strong enough to be before. And we hope he's going to do it. It's, it's all about that journey back to heroism. That's awesome. That's definitely on my pull list for sure. Right on. And I should say as well, like we are doing more. Like You will see a Mars that you've never yeah. seen before. Dev. 
the, the world building, the culture building, the actual appearance of Mars itself. Riley is doing so much uh, creative work, so much innovation, not just on the way things look, but the way comic stories are told from Mars from Manhunter. Um, he's inventing new ways of storytelling, new modes of comic storytelling. And, and as I said in the announcement interview, uh, we are showing that we understand things like 9-panel grid, 12-panel grid, but beyond that, we're using storytelling methods that are intelligent and innovative and weren't invented in the 60s or 80s. They are new for today. And you awesome. are truly going to learn new ways to read comics. I think Riley's one of the most incredible artists working today. And really, it, it, it's going to be... Reading it's going to be a little alien. Yeah. But it should be. Yeah, it's perfect. Uh, and it's, so I think it's going to be really cool. That's awesome. My last question for you is, in the panel yesterday, you focused on that you worked with The Shadow, and then you wanted to go into The Phantom. Yes. What is it about that that decade of comics and characters that you really focus on? And you love working with. I don't know. It's, it's not just a decade, uh, I, I, but so much as I think those characters, there is a primal nature to them. There's a rawness to them. The shadow is, in many ways, as I mean, in a, quite a literal sense, he was he was he was an idea that was ho- focused and honed into becoming Batman, along with some other uh, influences. Um, and the Phantom is similar to that. He's an antecedent to many characters. But what I like about them is that they are sort of pure and they are sort of imperfect. And in many ways, they're more flawed. Uh, and I think there's a lot of interest there. They're allowed to be um, not simple characters, but very totally pure characters. And I think it's, it's interesting to tell stories with them. I think the Phantom is a timeless idea. Uh, and, and it's one that I would love to update. It's one that I would love to contrast for the, for the present day. I'm BC exclusive right now, and I am at least until 2020, so it's probably not going to happen anytime soon. Okay. But that said, uh, I would point out just for people who, you know, have followed my work and followed Riley's work, um, I like the idea of the Phantom enough that the villain of Batman Shadow was basically an evil version of the Phantom. Yeah. In that both heroes thought he was immortal, and you eventually find out that he's not immortal. Uh, it's an entire family of people who are the stag uh, that are dedicated to the same mission. So even if I don't get to work with these ideas, I will find ways to update them and infuse them into my stories because I do think there's a power to them, a timelessness to them. Uh, not just in my work now, but my work in the future. Whatever Riley and I work on next. Um, but these sort of core concepts, these pure concepts, I think are really, really special because in a world of complexity, Having something that can cut through that is very, very telling. The Shadow is a very black and white character in many ways, and you can use that definitive uh, nature of him to talk about how those types of things don't exist in the present day, and I think that's fascinating. That's that's absolutely fascinating. Uh, Last thing before we go, where can uh, our fans and your fans uh, find you on social medias and any con appearances in the future? Um, so social media, I'm at the Steve Orlando on Twitter. I'm also the Steve Orlando on Instagram. And convention appearances, I will be at New York Comic Con. I will be at, uh, I, I, I may be at Rhode Island Comic Con. I will definitely be at Grand Rapids. Uh, and I'm doing a launch convention appearance for my book, Dead Kings. Uh, actually in Fayetteville, North Carolina, Fayetteville Comic Con in a couple months as well. All right. And make sure to pick up Martian Manhunter in December. Yes, pick it up. Thank you, Steve. You got it. Thank you so much. All right. So I gave you the scoop about Steve Orlando doing the Martian Manhunter stuff. Mm -hmm. And you were kind of leery about it, saying, like, it has to be kind of evolved because we haven't really seen a fair representation of Martian Manhunter. After hearing this, what do you think? 
I think he. It seems like he's got the right ideas. Yeah. Um, we're not. Uh, I want to see a super powerful somebody who's realized how powerful they are. Yeah. Like he's a Superman or greater level yeah. of power. Like an Omega tele- telepathy makes him probably stronger than Superman. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't seem like we're going to necessarily get that. But I'm not upset by that if we're going to get him trying to figure out who he is and what he could have done. Yeah. The thing about it that got me is he said it's going to be in the same vein as Doomsday Clock, which is one of my favorite reads mm-hmm. this year, and my favorite read, which is Mr. Miracle, yeah. uh, the 12-issue miniseries, not canon, but like really down to earth and you see everything. Yeah. He had me sold. And yeah. Dead King sounds pretty cool, too. Yeah. Just the name alone. Yeah, he, he, he seems to have, like, this nostalgia. Like, uh, uh, I mean, he's talking about revitalizing the Phantom and the yeah. Stranger and all that, which, you know, they're old. Yeah. They're he, as old as Batman and Superman. Yeah, so. he did Batman in the Shadow. Right. Which is, like, a crazy crossover. Um. Yeah, I, I uh, so... I, I could be interested. I mean, yeah, I like what he's done. Yeah. So I, I could definitely be interested in the Martian Manhunter. He's and I, I'd like to see something new. Yeah, and the he said he's going to be innovative. So I'm very, I'm looking forward to it. Like I'm very curious about like what he's gonna he's gonna use because he said like this is going to be different than comic reading. And, yeah. uh, I, and you this know, is one hundred percent like I'm not bullshitting anybody. This is one hundred percent on my pull list before yeah. getting Steve Orlando was on my pull list. He um, I, John Jones. Uh, Martian Manhunter's alter ego is a uh, like a master detective. Mm-hmm. He's a tele- telepath, and he's is he a cop? He's yeah, not a, is, yeah. He has a, a mm-hmm. cop, right? Or at least he was. If he if he's not, I'm pretty um, sure he's going to be a cop in this. He's yeah. got the logo. Um, the cover had a uh, he had a police badge on. Okay. Um, so this could have the potential to be the powers could be a secondary idea. Mm-hmm. Like he also has powers, basically. Yeah. Which I don't mind. I don't hate that if he's discovering who he is. Mm-hmm. So, and and that seems like where DC's headed right now is, let's rediscover all these characters, and we'll, in the background, we're gonna fix, yeah, the timelines and fix these multiple worlds and universes. Yeah, we'll try to figure that out. But in the meantime, here's where these characters come from. Yeah, and like with with how successful Metal was. They inter- they reintroduced uh, the new comic book readers to characters that didn't have their ongoing series in the rebirth, yeah. like a Martian Manhunter or Plastic Man, Hawkman. These characters that if you're not watching Arrow or Supergirl, you may not know. So, you know, focusing on these people and then saying let's get our talent talent writers on here and saying we're going to get the talented people to put together a story is fantastic. Yeah, and like talking to Steve, like he's in between our age. Yeah, like, I think he he's is. like 34. Yeah. Uh, so you know he he's us writing comics and everything that he has like lived through and heart like everything that he's like kind of imagined in his brain his fan he's fan casting he's, he's just like one of us yeah uh, so it was really him cool. and uh him and and uh logan marshall green yeah constantly retweet each other and they have like uh, you know quote unquote a bromance yeah. going on, on online because yeah, it seems like Logan Marshall Green wants uh, Mr. Miracle. Mr. Miracle Ben. Listen, man. And, and it's Steve Orlando retweets about it, and so they're just back and forth. So he wanted Luke Evans as Midnighter, which I'm on board with. Logan Marshall Green's not a bad Midnighter yeah. either. I mean, all you need is a mask, and he was Midnighter and upgrade. Right. So <laughs> that's uh, that's Steve Orlando. He also I'll show you after this, but his business card is like a postcard, and it says "Greetings from Orlando." <laughs> it's awesome. Um, so. 
um, maybe in November or December, we're going to have him on the podcast. So okay. I'm going to reach out to him and see what we can do. And we'll go from there. Yeah. The last one, Tom, and we're going over time. We're at an hour and five minutes so far. This is probably going to be an hour and a half episode. But, you know, we've been gone for two weeks. Is uh, a sit down that I did with the one, the only, <laughs> Kevin Conroy. The Batman that always delivers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, again, was shaking like a leaf because, <laughs> honestly, this was a video thing, and this is a, this is when I was working with Denim Nerds. They they sat me right next to him. So, like, I'm a chair away from him staring at this man who I've watched hundreds of his episodes and his movies and just heard his voice and my thoughts, just, like, just him talking back to me. So um, you're going to hear my questions. You're going to hear me flub a question, <laughs> but you're also going to hear one of the greatest saves in my opinion, it's a humble brag. <laughs> but then there's another question. So this is going to be a little longer. There's a uh, from Amarime Junkies podcast uh, available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Every Sunday they do new new episode. They asked a question about 9/11, and it was right around the time when uh, yeah, this was this was three days after 9/11. Right. So um, you're going to hear that at the end. But I wanted to give uh, Amarime. It's A M E R I M E Junkies podcast. Um, so their tagline is professional fuckery <laughs> so if you're into that check them out they were really cool guys um maybe some collabs coming up in the future right. with them as well but here is the interview uh with uh kevin conroy it was a fantastic interview with the 27 years of playing batman we've been to the frank miller panel today we did the batman panel downstairs mm-hmm. and it, your portrayal of batman has transcended so many decades yeah, we, you know, some most of us are in our thirties. Some, some of us are older. Uh, and there was about a seven-year-old boy who said, "My favorite Batman portrayal is the animated series." Mm-hmm. Yeah. How does that make you feel? That so many takes to Batman in live action and animated, and you may go down as the pedal for Batman. Yeah. In my mind, you are. Yeah, definitely. I think. Uh, look, I, I am so. Um, It's incredible to think that you've affected that many people with a performance. It's, it's, it's humbling. It's, it's amazing. It's, I'm very, very proud of it. Um, I struggled to become an actor. I've been supporting myself since I was 17. I went to Juilliard on a scholarship. I did not have it easy. And I worked up through regional theater and Joe Papp at the Public and making no money and waiting tables. I mean, I paid my dues. It was not an overnight thing. And I'm proud of the training I've had, and I'm proud of the dues I've paid. And all of that experience, all of that life experience, went into Batman. And who knew that was going to to going to be where it would go. I was training to do Shakespeare. <laughs> Batman is Shakespearean. Yes, of all the yeah, animated yeah. characters, mm-hmm. he is the yeah. epic Shakespearean character. Yeah. He's Hamlet. He's Edmund. He's Edgar. Yeah, he's Orestes. Player. He's Achilles. Yeah. He's all those epic mythological characters. He's just our culture's version of it. Wow. So it's so bizarre and kind of karmic that this New York actor <laughs> with no background in animation at all, never having done an animated yeah. character, the first audition he goes on is this epic, mythological, heroic 
classic character. Yeah. I mean, how bizarre is that? That I would be the guy that walks into the room and does that. They saw 500 people. Wow. <laughs> they were looking for months for this role. Andre said they couldn't find anybody because I know everyone who was going in was doing the Hollywood audition, mm -hmm. was doing their take on what a Hollywood leading man would sound like. They were doing Harrison Ford or they were doing, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. They were doing what their image was of what that would be. I was doing a classic, tragic, screwed up guy with issues. That's Hamlet. That's um, Achilles. It's all those characters. So it's so weird though that I, as a fluke, would be the guy who walks in. And oddly enough, Andrea Romano had a very good friend who, and I didn't know this at the time, I found this out years later, who, who from New York, a, name, a guy named um, Anthony Barneo, who was a casting guy in New York, did mostly theater. And she was struggling trying to put this show together. And she said, we can't find our Batman. We, we, how are we going to do the show? We can't find He said, you know, there's this really interesting actor I know from the public theater who does a lot of Shakespeare. His name is Kevin Conroy. Have you ever met him? And she said, I've never even heard of him. Does he ever work in L.A.? And I didn't know this conversation went on. So when my voiceover agent suggested that I go in and read for them, she said, oh, that's that guy that Anthony mentioned. So that was just one person mentioning, you know, that's how life is so random that way. Um, so it was a complete and utter fluke that I got this job. But in terms of the universe and karma and all that stuff, it seemed to be going in that direction for years <laughs> since I was a kid. You know, I seem to be kind of going there, but like John Lennon says, life is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans. Being that this week marks an anniversary of a tragic event, 9-11, there is a rumor I heard when I was in New York that you were cooking for the firefighters and policemen um, as a volunteer. I just wondered, is, is, that, is that true? Awesome. That was the best last question. <laughs> like, like everyone who lives in New York, I was, I was deeply uh, affected. Like everyone everywhere, I was yeah. deeply affected. But the New Yorkers especially were like, wow. And, um, I went to volunteer, and they had lines of people already, and they said, we have all the diggers we need, we have all the tunnelers we need, we have, we have all these relief people. But they gave me a phone number to call, and I called this phone number, and I heard all this noise at the other end of the phone, and I said, I've been told to call you, I, I wanted to volunteer, but they don't need anyone. They said, well, this is the restaurant that's feeding everybody. What we really need are restaurant workers. Do you have any restaurant experience? <laughs> I said, I'm an actor. <laughs> <laughs> of course I have restaurants. <laughs> I said, what do you need? I, I said, do you need waiters or cooks? And they said, wait a minute, you cook? I said, yeah, I worked in the kitchen. They said, are you free? I said, well, yeah, I'm, I'm between jobs right now. I, you know, they said, no, I mean, are you free right now, tonight? <laughs> 
we need you now. <laughs> so I started doing the night shift that night. Wow. And that was in the week right after the attack. And it was just a few blocks away from the pot. They called it the pile. Um, and the smell was something that no one will ever forget. It was the sort of sulfurous, sweet smell. Um, and there was just a glow from all the work lights that were shining on the pile um, as they were searching. And then we were running this massive kitchen a few blocks away and, and firefighters and um, emergency people and cops and more cops and more cops would come through all night long. And I did the night shift from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. for a couple of weeks it turned out to be. and. All this food would come down in trucks from the Midtown restaurants. Everyone was, it was like this improvised machine was created in a matter of days. It was amazing. And all this food would come in. We had all these portable refrigerators and all this stuff was being put in. They had these portable ovens. And there was this massive dining hall that had been set up. And this restaurant called Nico's that doesn't exist anymore had been commandeered. And uh, all these volunteers started trickling in the middle of the night. There was this wonderful, Asian uh, man uh, who had raised his family in Queens. We called him Mike because no one could appreciate, no one could pronounce his Chinese name. And um, he came and he had tears in his eyes. And he said, "This country has given me so much." He said, "I have to do something." So the head cook said, "We're putting Mike to work. We can't send him home. <laughs> we have to keep him here." And every night that I was there, Mike came back. And it turned out his son was a resident in a hospital in Manhattan. He was becoming a surgeon. First generation. This was a guy who'd come in as a, as an, uh, you know, an immigrant, and he'd raised his family in Queens, and he wanted to get back to this city that had given him so much. And that, you heard that story a lot this week, that, those weeks, was people who felt they owed so much to New York and couldn't believe this had happened. And in the middle of cooking, one of the guys goes, so my day job is I'm an architect. What's your day job? And I said, well, I'm an actor. And he said, yeah, do you do some kind of special kind of acting? I said, well, I, I really do animation voices. He said, I knew it! <laughs> he said, I knew I knew your name. You're Batman. <laughs> that is great. I said, yeah, I do the voices. <laughs> he said, this is so awesome. He said, can I tell the guys in the dining hall? I said, no one's going to care. You know, the world was coming to an end, and they're going to care. The, dining, the, dining, the, the cook is Batman. He said, are you kidding? He said, they're going to go crazy. So he goes out in the dining hall, and he says, guys, guys, guys. And there's this, you know, this is a rowdy group of people. This is firemen and cops, and, you know, these are blue-collar, nasty-ass language people. And he says, you're not going to believe who's been in the cooking your dinners. It's Batman. There's this long lull. Turn it to a guy and you hear, bullshit. <laughs> And then there's just, someone else streams out, make him prove it! So I thought, oh, okay, challenge, that's, 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 that's not good. So back in the kitchen I do, I am vengeance, I am the knight, I am Batman! There's this long pause and then you go, holy fuck! <laughs> Batman! <laughs> oh, 
stairs. <laughs> and they just start streaming back into the kitchen. And suddenly we heard this laughter. And people going, oh man, you know, the Joker this, and Harley Quinn that, and oh, that poison ivy, man, she's a babe. <laughs> and everyone just started laughing. And the architect who had recognized me said, how does it feel to be Santa Claus? Mm. Hmm. Wow. He said, because that's the first laughter we've heard in two weeks. Mm. Oh, damn. And I, I called Andrea the next morning. Because the whole motivation for doing this was I felt like I'd wasted my life. At, th at that time, I think a lot of people felt like they'd wasted their lives. Because people were dying! Yeah. And what are you doing? You're working in animation doing a voice. What are you doing with your life? You're not saving anybody. And I called Andrea the next morning and said, you know something? What we do really does matter. Yeah. Because the one thing they needed last night was a good laugh. Yeah. I said, you would have been so proud. That place burst out laughing. And people were happy for just a few minutes. So that's my ground zero. Thank you. All right, Tom, you got to hear it. Yep. What do you think? Uh, well, I mean, we all know Kevin Conroy is pretty cool. And yeah. We have no... Um, no one's ever said a bad thing about Kevin Conroy, I don't think. No, I don't think so either. Like, And like I said, the first thing before we heard about him is he's the Batman we could all rely on being good. Yeah. Uh, 20 years now, 20-something years he's been doing it, right? Yeah. And they cut out my flub. I... Uh, they, I have the, the raw footage, but I'm lazy. I asked him about Hush. IMDb says that he's on Hush. So I said, you know, what can we expect from Hush? It's an animated uh, movie coming out. And he goes, that's not my movie. And I'm like, fuck. I was like, IMDb ruined it for me. He's like, wait, I'm on there as I, at, on IMDb? I was like, yeah. So like afterwards, everyone was like, you know, maybe he's still on there and they, he can't say anything because he's not confirmed. And I was like, either way, fuck IMDb. I was so <laughs> mad. But I bounced back with the question that you heard. So uh, one day the flub will go up there. Yeah. I think I'm just too proud. I wouldn't to mind a, a, a Batman uh, team. Yeah. Like, uh, give him a Darth Vader treatment. Make him the voice. Make him. Yeah. And just give put somebody in a suit and then make him talk. I mean, Do he was, ADR. He was pretty ripped. He could be Batman <laughs> right now. Nice. He's almost only sixty something, right? Now, all right. So sixty-five, let, something like that. Let's say you're in charge of the MC, or the DCEU or the world of DC or whatever the fuck you want to call it. Jeremy Irons doesn't want to play Iron, uh, Alfred anymore. Nobody, Kevin, nobody cares about Jeremy Irons as Alfred. Kevin Conroy comes in as Alfred. That'd be cool. That'd be a really good Easter egg, right? Yeah, that'd be really cool. That'd be awesome. Or like Burt Ward. Right. Like that'd, Burt yeah. Ward and that's like and just I'm sure Kevin Conroy can do a a British accent. Sure. But uh, yeah, it was, it was that was an awesome experience. He's uh, I think I put him number one as my Batman. Yeah, he, it, you know, it's it, whatever. It's a, you know animated, but he's recognizable. Yeah. He's might be the most recognizable. I think he had some of the biggest lines. People waited an hour to get an autograph from him. That's crazy. Well, yeah. no, it's not. I mean, like like he's the most accessible Batman we have. Yeah. Like he's the one we can go talk to. Longest reigning. He, Everybody else is, you know, you're not going to see Christian Bale no, ever. No, never. He's too he's too good. Yep, you won't see Affleck, and if you do, it's like $6,000 to see him. Clooney, Affleck. And well, no one wants to see Clooney. Right. You'll see Kilmer, hmm. but he wants to forget about Batman. Yeah. Yeah, but like... You, so is everybody else, so... Yeah. And you will never see Keaton. Right. Obviously, you won't see West, R.I.P. 
you did though. Yeah. I mean, he was. Oh, on, he was but, on. He was on the concert. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's cool. And and his his the the animated series was awesome. Yeah, everybody loved him. It's available in um, HD on the blue. Uh, not on Bluetooth. Um, DC Universe app. Okay. Chuck got it, and we watched a little bit of it. It's, it's phenomenal. And it holds up. Oh, you know, absolutely. It was that, that was great, and and the portrayal of all their characters was great because they were allowed to do whatever they wanted. You get you got probably the best Batman and the best Joker on there with Mark Hamill. Yeah. There was a one other person asked about Mark Hamill, and he said his relationship with Mark is like their best friends. That's cool. I think that's his his Joker. Like that's the only Joker he recognizes. Yeah. Which you should. I mean, you and work he's on like, for so long. He's been up for roles. Like it, it was weird. Him and Tim Daly like fought for Wings roles, mm-hmm. and, and now and Tim Daly's the voice of, the animated voice of Superman. So yeah. that's pretty neat. And um, that's cool. I, I like Kevin yeah. Conroy. I always have. And yeah, he he was a lot of fun. And uh, I still th- he's he does all the Arkham stuff, right? Yeah, he did the mo- games. Most of the Arkham stuff. He does the Injustice. He does Injustice. He did Batman. Batman. Brave and the Bold. He did uh, Justice League Go. Uh, he's done the movies. Whenever he can't do it, Bruce Greenwood. Yeah. Or um, the guy who. Um, yeah, there's a small. Shit, he plays the Patriot on. Um, yeah, I know. Uh, Shield. Talking. He did it as well. There's a small grab bag of guys that do it, but he's you know like he's, you said, he's yeah he's Batman. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you kind of knew. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know anything about him personally, but you knew he he just seems like a nice guy and yeah. Yeah, it was a cool story. So. Yeah, the nine eleven story I, I put on there uh, because he did the Batman voice, <laughs> but also because you know it shows that he plays a hero and he is a hero essentially to yeah. to people too. So um, that was it. I mean, it was a, a fanboy moment, one hundred percent for me. Uh, leg was quivering sitting next to him, but it was it was really cool. Um, but next year, next cons, uh, I won't be doing that as a as a YouTube group. I'll be doing it as more of a podcast group with you guys. Yeah. So it would be even better for uh, for you and Chuck to really experience that. So that would be great. So uh, that's our episode. Yep. That is our Comic-Con review, news review, <laughs> interview review, tons of stuff we got yep. to today. Yep. Good one. Yeah. And next week, like I said, we're coming back with The Predator. Uh, so we're going to review... Uh, the Predator. You have a couple weeks. Well, you you you've had a couple weeks to see the movie. Uh, so, I haven't yet. No, but well, I'm going. No, to. I'm talking to the listeners. Oh yeah, I haven't seen it yet. Either. We're gonna spo- like everything that we do. We're gonna spoil it. Yeah. So I don't think we had to spoil anything on this one. I spoiled my flub. Well, we spoiled the potential. We we can't spoil something that hasn't happened yet. But we spoiled the uh, potential ideas of what Captain Marvel is going to be. Yeah. So. But and, that's not spoiling. And it. the Martian Manhunter fan theory, because if that happens, yeah. DC, I want my money. <laughs> Just going to say it. Uh, so you can follow us on social media uh, at the Galaxy Wars Podcast on all platforms, but on Twitter we're the Grays, C H E G R Y S, and we're all over the podcast directories. And like I said, we'll be back next week with the Predator. Uh, we'll see you. See. You.